Welcome or welcome back if you are one of our regular listeners. Matthew Grant here and we are making a cracking start to the year with some great insights from our guests. Well, we may be on to our 226th episode, but there are no shortage of ideas, stories and breaking news to talk about as we dig deep into the companies and people that are getting stuff done around innovative use of data, analytics and technology for insurance. And today's guest is no exception. Dawn Miller joined Lloyds of London as commercial director last year after a career with some well-known global insurers, having cut her teeth as an investor and an entrepreneur. More about that later. One of Dawn's responsibilities is helping the Lloyds market, and that includes 50 insurance companies and 380 brokers identify new types of insurance to offer improved efficiencies and ultimately support customers from global enterprises to small businesses around the world. Well, Dawn's responsibilities include the Lloyds Lab, the product Launchpad and Future Minds. You'll need to stay with me to find out what these mean in practice, but you're going to discover a lot in the next 30 minutes. We're going to be talking about what the Lloyds Lab has achieved for both those that participated and the insurers and Lloyds themselves and what's happening next. If you're thinking about applying to the lab, becoming a mentor or know others that could benefit, you'll get some great insights to help you apply for the lab right now, wherever in the world you are. Well, it's the start of the year, so a chance to look at the challenges and opportunities ahead and no surprise that the measurement and management towards reducing carbon emissions and ESG more generally is on the agenda for Lloyds. But what does this actually mean in practice and how do you start insuring new assets such as hydrogen pipelines compared to other liquefied gases? And what's going on with all debris in space and is that insurable? Having nurtured over 100 startups and scale-ups, will Lloyds itself ever want to be an investor or will be revealed? Finally, we are delighted to be supporting Lloyds and supported by Dawn and her team to explain, share and grow innovation in insurance. We've had over 20 former Lloyds alumni as corporate members and you'll find many podcasts in our back catalogue with enthusiastic guests talking about their past successes in the lab or working with companies in the lab. If you're not already an Instep member and want to find out about membership or more about Lloyds and the lab itself, then contact me, Matthew Grant by LinkedIn or any of us, hello at Instep. Dawn, great to be talking to you. This is our first live podcast. Thank you very much for, I was going to say crash test dummy, that's probably the wrong word, but for working with us on doing a, a live face-to-face podcast back in the Lloyd's Lab, which I, which I love. Particularly as you've made it in today, we've got uh, train strikes, we've got coal, we don't know what else is going to happen the rest of the day, but thank you and, uh, and welcome. Absolutely, thrilled to be here. So just a bit about you. So you are commercial director at Lloyd's. You joined in May 2022 and then previously four years at Chubb, three years at AXA, 12 years at AIG. So you've got a good background in global insurance. But today you've got a fascinating role, which includes the Lloyd's Lab, but also some of the other innovation work you're doing. Lloyd's, I think you're now calling the Accelerator Program. You've got the Launchpad, so we'll find out a bit more about that. And also, when we were talking before, you hinted uh, that you're a bit of an entrepreneur yourself. So before we talk about the lawyers, I'd love to hear a little bit more about what it was that you did or doing that makes you an entrepreneur. Thanks so much, Matthew. It's a delight again to be here. I actually started my career as a risk analyst in insurance and then went into insurance broking. So I'm one of those rare people who actually started a career and stayed in insurance. But I did have a gap for about four or five years. I had an opportunity when I was quite young to build and manage a small regional investment advisory firm based out of Prague. 
was in the mid-90s when industrial privatizations were fast and furious in that part of the world. And it was a fascinating moment, right? We had a small firm that was introduced and, and really focused on attracting North American investment into the region in a very organized, very clean fashion. And to be part of watching history happen around you and also be part of economic change was incredible. So it was not easy. And it ended probably in something I would say somewhere between success and failure, right? So I definitely know what it means to watch those purse strings and wonder where the money's going to come from, but also to have great client success as well. Yeah, well, it's a great experience for the lab and everything else. Uh, somewhere between success and a failure. That's a good way to describe <laughs> an outcome There's in always life. a learning in there somewhere, right? <laughs> yeah. When we were talking about what we should cover today, I was really pleased you mentioned very early on the customer Unfortunately, too often we think about insurance as being the brokers, the reinsurers, insurers, and they're all very valid parts, of course, of what's going on. But when you talk about the customer or when Lloyd's thinks about the customer, what's the best way for other people to sort of understand that role? We think about it in two lenses. There's a product focus because at the end of the day, you're what we're doing here in our insurance marketplace here or around the world, frankly, is addressing different protection gaps. So that end customer is the policy holder. So the innovations in new product, in basic products that you're doing, it's affecting how they are going about their lives or their business. And then certainly there's service-focused solutions, of course. How do we make sure the administration and the analytics and automation behind our services and our, and our policies are, are more effective? So that's also so in my mind, another view of how we are looking at things through a customer lens. And people hear about all these sort of exotic types of coverage you give at Lloyd's, but could you give an example of who a typical customer for Lloyd's might be or representative one? Sure. A customer of Lloyd's could be a, a large corporate around the world that's placing a multinational program to cover their buildings, let's say, around the world on a very basic point. A customer could be someone looking at different supply chain solutions. We've recently been in the news lately with some of our syndicates leading the way on a grain facility, bringing out vital goods and services coming out of, out of Ukraine right now. An um, end customer as well could be an NGO. An end customer could be also a uh, homeowner on the back of a facility that's supported by an underwriter here. And that Ukraine example, I think, is where Lloyd's historically done really well and I think is a big part of what you're doing, which is how to understand and price risk. And, and when you talk about product, of course, you're talking about product in the insurance sense, which is an insurance product for a loss or a potential loss mm -hmm. that people never contemplated before. So I think Correct. that's sort of placed a little bit back into what we're going to be talking about shortly. We're big supporters of the Lloyd's Lab at Instec, and I've had the pleasure of interviewing over 20 people for the podcast over the years. And it's been great to see how some of these companies have evolved. But for those that you know, want to understand what you're doing at the lab today, kind of, can you just talk a little bit about what the role of the lab is and how would you represent that to the outside world? So just to start, Matthew, I love this question because it gives me the opportunity to, to really share my belief that I view our Lloyd's Lab, our accelerator program here, as truly the heart of innovation within the global insurance industry. And it's an exciting moment for us. We've been up and running for almost five years now. We have a birthday celebration later this year, so you'll have to wait to hear about those details. But again, we've had over 100 alumni come through our doors here in the last four years, just finished our ninth cohort, which we'll speak about in a moment, I'm sure. But from those 100 alumni, that started started at 1,800 applications, 200 startups at pitch day. That's incredible, actually. And we've come through, we've worked with them, and I'm later in our discussion, we'll talk about some of the benefits for the participants. But I was going through some of the details on where we've seen those alumni and what is that, how has that lab made a difference in our marketplace and around the world. Across those 100-plus alumni, we approximate about 250 million pounds in funding received by those alumni. 64% of them are still engaged with our marketplace. And let's remember the marketplace, even the lawyer 
Lloyd's Marketplace gives an opportunity for these participants to be exposed to 100 syndicates, 50 managing agents, over 300 brokers just operating in the Lloyd's ecosystem here and 4,000 cover holders around the world. Think about all of that intellectual firepower and opportunity to partner and share. Um, we've also done some calculations and we think that over 220 new jobs have been created through this 100 alumni. So really we feel like we're making an impact worldwide. Wow, there's lots of data in there, Dawn, and uh, other people can't see you, but I know that you recited all those right off the top of your head and weren't actually even looking. So, <laughs> well, I we'll, love talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> and not the first time, but we'll put those in the episode notes because there's some really great statistics in there. And congratulations. I have more. <laughs> and, and more to come, yeah. Keep listening. Really good to see that success. And congratulations on five years. I guess, you know, in, in, in the sense, if you think of the lab, we think of the lab as a startup within an organization. That's, you know, five years means you're actually demonstrating some real value and and uh, I'm sure it's part of what attracted you into your to your role. When you think about the themes of the companies that are coming in and the ones that you're looking at, and we'll talk a bit more about what's happening in the future, but if maybe look at 2022, what's of interest to you, are, are you able to break those down into some sort of discrete different buckets of, of topics or themes? Absolutely. So the early cohorts that we had coming into the lab, we were actually looking around, not exactly sure what would be of interest to come in, who would want to come into the lab, how do we need to, the message to land? So our first eight cohorts, we put a general call out for, for applicants are looking at product solutions, service solutions for the industry, early ideas, more established businesses that wanted to come in and have an access to that marketplace that I just mentioned. Our ninth cohort was the first one where we shifted to a more product-focused approach. And that has been probably our most successful cohort as we have the majority of the participants in that cohort now have some capacity and direct engagement with market participants that should see them move forward as hopefully as, as small businesses themselves. Our 10th cohort we have coming up, we've just put a call out for papers and applications on, and that will also bring a geographic focus on. One of the things when we took a step back as we evolved the lab forward and, and grow past our five years, we realized that we were becoming probably more UK focused and UK centric by accident than we anticipated. I think COVID had a role to play in that and, and time and distance. So we're being very purposeful now around launching uh, European themes, Asian themes for our Asia-Pacific Middle East region and also engaging our U.S. alumni as well. I'll come back to that geography one mm -hmm. in a minute, but I just want to just go back and talk a bit about your point there about the success of the cohorts have gone through. So it's a 10-week program and the bit you said there, I, I do want to reinforce it because I feel that is one of the big successes on both sides. And I think people often forget there are two sides of the equation. There are the organizations that come in to build the analytics and the tools. And then, of course, that wouldn't work without, as you said, the syndicates and managing agents providing the capacity in there. But essentially what we saw on Demo Day this year is organizations that come in, they had an idea, and within 10 weeks, they'd found somebody in the market to essentially back them with money. I mean, this is not investment money, but this is actually money to underwrite or to put behind the underwriting, to your point about the product. So I think people often overlook that or maybe some of the early accelerators and in insurance were more about building the technology product as opposed to building a solution that generates revenue for the markets. So Matthew, I'll just jump in there. In addition to having capacity and, and as you say, some real money behind them and real risk-taking capital behind them, the companies that come through the cohorts also have access to an enormous amount of mentoring. And it's not just one-to-one -one mentoring. It can be five mentors, 10 mentors, and they can come from different disciplines across the marketplace. And I think that's quite special and unique. Well, you, we don't often allow people to use the, the word unique, but in your case, we will allow that because I do believe, but Thank you. please tell me anybody if I've got this wrong, that what you do is unique in the sense you've got mentors from different companies coming in, providing capacity, and you've got a lovely facility here. We're sitting in the lab where you let people actually come and 
working here during the co, I will say actually they believe you're alumni. You get a sort of lifetime, or not quite a lifetime, but you know, a perpetual pass to come into Lloyd's and use this space when you when they want to. Absolutely, absolutely. And if I have my way about it, they can also do that in other of our offices around the world. So great, great advantage. Yeah, I mentioned before about the themes, but can you just talk a bit about within the products you referenced there? What are you finding? Or I guess more importantly, what are the organizations in Lloyd's that are underwriting are finding of interest is now in terms of looking at new ways of creating new insurance products? We're seeing some really unique items come through. We're seeing certainly a lot of focus on parametric. And parametric, for those that are not familiar with it, it's exactly what it says on the tin. You take a handful of variables, parameters, and use that as a tracking mechanism for what would then constitute an insurable risk going forward. Seeing multiple interest and in areas of deployment around ESG tracking, space debris, how about that? We're also seeing supply chain uh, solutions, tracking, geospatial location, and definitely a lot of focus on cyber. Yeah, well, I'm very pleased for our point of view, and hopefully everyone else, the, the, when the themes we've been tracking this year, all of those ones are ones that we are working with companies on. And you know, I can even call out some names from organizations recently, uh, such as OTT Risk, who are looking at parametric, Provisico looking at Flood, MIS, you've been working with quite a long time on, on satellite. The one thing, because you mentioned it, space debris, that sounds a really intriguing one. Can you say anything about that? To be honest with you, it is one area that I would like to spend more time on myself, but it is fascinating. And again, it's it's back to the geolocation and being able to understand um, patterns to the extent we can above us. Great. Well, if, when you find the person in the Lloyd's cohort is looking at space debris, we'll definitely give them an interview so we can have a whole hour. Absolutely. We'll have a coffee while we do that. Yeah. Coffee. And Maybe the, I'll and... do the interview and you two can sit in the hot seat. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm much prefer asking the questions to answer them. It's much easier, Dawn. And then what about the insurers themselves. So we've touched on this a little bit, but we've seen companies such as Beasley, Liberty, Ascot, Atrium, Greenlight, Chaucer, many others that have benefited. Sometimes I fear that the British are a little bit understated or even like criticize things. What's been the feedback from across the market on this, you know, both between the organizations that have been directly involved, but also, you know, the other ones that are looking from the sidelines to see if it's something they should get involved in or, you know, asking what the role of Lloyd's is you know, to these days? It's a great question. And one we're constantly asking ourselves to make sure that we're communicating properly on this point. But it's very inspiring, actually, to see these companies come together. Most of them that you mentioned, Beasley, Ascot, Atrium, Green, all of them, they have their own labs in-house. Those labs are looking at how they as a business can be more effective and more responsive and, and, and service themselves and their own customers more effectively. Our environment here allows everyone to come together and to bring that intellectual capital into one place, really for the benefit of all, which when you think about insurance, that's how it got started. We're sharing risk to create that braver world. That's part of the vision of Lloyd's as well as we go forward. But when you think about the, the roots of insurance, and it was about allowing different marine supply and, and addressing global industrial issues as a group so the society can thrive. And in my mind, this is a microcosmic view of that. So we absolutely see collaboration between all these entities across an innovation board that we have. We see it in our launch pad, which is a, a mechanism that we allow anyone in the marketplace to come and work with us to think about new products in a very swift fashion. We help them think through in a, in a very organized fashion. Future Minds, we bring underwriters in from those organizations to work together quickly on a project, again, inspiring innovation. And we also have a special feature within the business planning process here at Lloyd's that allows a very small percentage, but meaningful, up to 2% of any syndicate's business plan to be focused on innovation. 
And that is there within the business plan. It is looked at, but it's certainly given uh, a different lens, knowing that we all need to try, sometimes succeed, sometimes fail. But if we don't innovate, we will not evolve. Great. Well, there's a lot in there as well, Don. So I'm going to just come back, if you don't mind, and just unpick those a little bit. So starting off with the launch pad. So this is where you invite people to come in and let me see if I've got this right myself. They can present the opportunity they have either to help with back to our product one or maybe it's a problem and then there's a group of syndicates that will actually look to put capacity behind that. Was that correct? Correctly? Absolutely. It's coming from within our marketplace. Whereas when you think about the accelerator and the cohort mechanism throughout the lab, that's coming from outside our marketplace. The launchpad is coming from within. Great. And Haley Maynard, who co-chairs that I believe is going to be one of my guests coming up in January. So we'll hear a bit more about it. Amazing. So yeah, we'll definitely learn more about that. And the Future Minds, can you just talk a little bit about what that is? Future Minds is another one. It says exactly what its title is. Really, it's so important that our young underwriters, younger in their career, younger to our marketplace, not only understand the, the intricacies behind underwriting, but also understand how to think creatively. And this program is to help them do that. They take certain problems, they tackle them together, they address them in a confined period of time, and then they take them back to their teams. And also just add that we are doing an early careers theme, really, for this year. And we're, we're kind of not age distinction on this, or there is a little, I think, don't think I'm allowed to go to this, but it's been incredibly popular. People early stage in their careers wanted to learn about insurance. And actually what's been really encouraging is hearing from people who wouldn't necessarily have thought about insurance as a career, but actually have come into it and just love it. And I and actually are really enthusiastic for it. And I think that's been one of the challenges the market has got, particularly in Lloyd's in London, where there's so much variety. It's a very still a very face-to-face market, but it's moving more digital. And it's really great to see some of the, the enthusiasm from those. And the other one you mentioned in there as well, which I think is worth spending a bit of time on, is this idea about the, the 2% allocation of the, I guess it's a capital capacity for individual managing agent to be dedicated towards innovation. It might be helpful just for people that aren't familiar with about how Lloyd's allocates the capital through the sure. business plan to explain that very briefly and therefore what's the relevance of this 2%. So each syndicate, like any business, um, whether large or small, makes a plan at the beginning of the year and has a sense of how much of their capital or underwriting abilities they will deploy to write first-party insurance like property or uh, liability insurances or cyber insurance or accident health insurance or fine art, let's say, just as a few examples. And when they prepare those business plans, they would prepare what percentage of their portfolio they will deploy across that. And of course, there's capital sitting behind. So the ICX class code, just like the other lines of business I mentioned, and I only mentioned a few of the possibilities of the classes of insurance that there are out there, allows them to say, we would like to experiment with up to 2% of our capital. If the entire marketplace did this, Matthew, every single syndicate, that would be almost a billion dollars of premium. It's a big number, but we're a big marketplace. But can you imagine if we had that much? It's only about 10% of that number at the moment. But if we had that going on, the amount of innovation and problems we could solve around us would be spectacular. And then then looking forward for the lab, what are you seeing or what are you sort of looking for for the lab to evolve into during 2023? I'm 100% focused on really amplifying the incredible work that goes on here in the lab, amplifying the success of our alumni group as well, bringing some of the alumni back to participate and be mentors themselves. We're adding some additional attributes into the program to some more soft skills training for the participants, if you will. We're working on some housekeeping items just behind in the, the background of the lab to make sure things work even more smoothly than they do today but also looking to create some, a partnership ecosystem, which brings in possibly other insured tech incubators from around the world, possibly some academia, 
possibly corporate labs, if you will, um, just to create an ecosystem so we have an opportunity to share and have our cohorts have even more access to a broader marketplace and diverse thinking. What about as we look to the future where particularly relate to climate, but we all know there's going to be other unknown unknowns out there in terms of risks and, and uh, catastrophes. What can lies offer in terms of helping organizations, both your customers and then those who want to provide the insurance for some of these larger sort of emerging risks that there are not yet tools or technologies to be able to uh, access or price or underwrite against? Uh, what comes to my mind are topics such as hydrogen storage and batteries. Those are two topics where our marketplace is looking at both of those areas, trying to understand the risks and trying to understand how they could be quantified such that we could then provide coverage to allow our markets to, to thrive and in particular deal with some of the climate challenges around us and support these new technologies that have yet to be proven. They're being tested, but not yet proven. So our power here, when I think about the lab, is about convening. It's about convening hearts and minds to understand the topic, bring in scientists, bring in engineers, bring in underwriters so they can collaborate and understand each other and communicate and make some comparatives so we can come to some solutions. It's a different angle of the lab. It's not necessarily about bringing the cohorts in, but it's using our convening power and the innovation power here to come up with a solution. And that, to me, is one of the great successes of the lab and not unique, but certainly characteristic is where you're tapping into organizations that have already created some of these analytics and tools and access to data, but maybe hadn't even considered insurance as a, as a place to go and are actually finding a lot of interest in applying those into an underwriting solution. So I think, I think it comes back to that point about the startups in the sense of you've got people starting a business totally, but you've also got startups in the sense of an established business moving into insurance, which I think is really intriguing and, and really accelerates that kind of process. But that then in turn brings us on to the customer. So Lloyd's is a broker market, which means you don't have direct relationships with your customers, or should I say, to be more accurate, your syndicates that are underwriting at Lloyd's don't have direct relationships with the customers. So when you want to go out and understand what the needs of the customers are, when you want to bring them in to find out what's going on in the lab and all the other things you're doing, how does that actually work in practice to be able to make sure you've got a sort of very simple and short lines of communication between the end customer and the person providing the solutions? I think it goes back, Matthew, to the, our convening power, whether it's putting on something like our recent cyber symposium, where you're bringing in all different stakeholders to address a topic. Again, be educated, keep the conversation going to understand how we can make sure that we're providing enough capacity and solutions for for some of the cyber threats and challenges around us. Lloyd's has over 20% of that marketplace and we will continue to, and we want to. So at the same time that we wanna have educated customers at the end and educated underwriters. That's just one example. Some of the solutions we've been providing to broader challenges around the world, going back to the grain example, fertilizer and others, that is about making sure that we are in the conversations at a governmental level and also convening through organizations like the Sustainable Markets Initiative, taking a leading position there to collaborate with other business and commercial leaders around the world to solve some of these issues. And just from a very sort of practical point of view, one of the things that you know, I've been impressed by is when you run events here, for example, the pitch day, you've got to manage your capacity, but you're very open to people coming in from outside the market to join those. So I mean, in the sense of like your convening power, if, if people are out there that are part of these organizations and want to know what's happening or ask the question, they can turn up and get a, or register, get a pass at Lloyd's and come in and join the discussion. Absolutely. We're a 330-year-old institution and we are global. And so to that point, Matthew, what I'd like to see is have us bring some of those convening moments out in broader into our geographies. We see great opportunity for this in Singapore, on the continent, in our teams in across Europe and in the United States. Excellent. Well, 
you will be pleased to know then that over 50% of our listeners are outside of the UK. And uh, absolutely, that's great. 30% of North America. And uh, we've got some rather exotic locations people are listening in from. So if you're out there and are interested in knowing more about the lab virtually as well as face-to-face, you, you know, find out more. Now, the one other thing I wanted to come on to was investment. And sometimes I think in the world of innovation, people can get a little bit obsessed with investment. But the flip side to it is, it is of course, very helpful for organizations that are growing. Lloyd has put a lot of work, time, money into building some of these companies. You've had some great success stories, companies such as HX, Predicat, Provisico, who are, you know, have, have grown in the lab and have grown since being in the lab. I think you invested in Lair originally. I believe that there is now the ability for Lloyd's to actually invest directly in some of the companies coming through the cohort. Is that right? Yes, that is correct. We have come up with a mechanism such that the central fund could make an investment in one of our cohort participants. Again, there are some guardrails around that, and it would be at a distance from the lab itself, but that absolutely is there. And we're looking at some other mechanisms to really leverage our convening power to bring other financing mechanisms to bear. We recognize that's important for our participants here. I noted earlier the 250 million pounds worth of investment that our alumni have accumulated over time. We'd like to be a little bit more proactive in helping them source that by maximizing our convening power and having, helping them to network to get there. Okay. And then just to manage all the, uh, the follow-ups you're going to get on LinkedIn or people tracking down your email, has that fund opened yet? Or, or what's the best way for people to know more it about that? It is something that we need to be cautious with in the beginning. And it will be on a case-by-case basis. Okay. So don't call Dawn on that one. <laughs> you can call me on a lot of things, but maybe not that right yet. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm sure, I'm sure we'll be part of releasing it when it's coming. So coming soon. And then cohort 10. So that's opening up soon. What should people know about cohort 10? Regional expansion. Super excited. We are looking at ESG and cyber product solutions coming from the European continent. We're looking for proposals from all around the world. As I mentioned, we get about 200 per cohort, but we have made a specific call for cyber and ESG from the continent, which is great. Fantastic. And I'm just going to fly my own flag for a bit because I I know that we had some of the people who are successful for cohort nine that uh, we suggested apply. So uh, hopefully some kind of correlation cause and effect in there. But just for that remote point there. So when during COVID, people were fully remote. I mean, and actually, I think that's part of what helped get the global understanding of the lab, because I heard some success stories on that, albeit it's pretty valuable being in here. How does that work then for as you look for cohort 10? Are people going to be able to do this remotely or are they going to be expected to be on the ground? I think we'll be looking at all models, right? I do think there's an opportunity for, let's say you had a participant coming from France or a participant coming from Australia or Singapore. These are countries where we have sizable operations ourselves. So perhaps they spend a few weeks here in London to have that experience, make those initial contacts with their mentors in the marketplace. And then they go back and perhaps they reside in our offices there. So it's, again, I think we'll be learning as we go, but we're definitely interested in experimenting and see, you know, what's the best way to make sure that we're innovating to our greatest extent possible. That's great. great. And so where should people go to learn more about Cohort 10? Well, Call for Applications is out there. So we would just recommend if they could take a visit to our website at Lloyd's Lab, lloyds.com slash Lloyd's Lab. Great. We'll put a link in the episode notes for that. But if someone can't Google Lloyd's.com and find the cohort, <laughs> then they probably shouldn't, shouldn't they be They can on also the... come to me directly <laughs> to ask where to go. <laughs> no, but if they can't find it, then they shouldn't really be on the cohort. And then finally, it's not as if your day job isn't busy enough. You've also got a few things you do slotted somewhere else into your, your working day or other, <laughs> other times of the day. The first one is the International Insurance Charitable Foundation, IICF. We've been delighted to support them as well. You're, I believe, European chair for that. Is that correct? Yes, that is correct. I'm the board chair 
there here in the UK. And we so appreciate your engagement and uh, using and maximizing your audience to our benefit. But the IICF um, is a global charity with the belief that by bringing the convening power of our entire industry together, the insurance industry, we can drive a social mobility and sustainable community development around the world. So we are a grant-making organization. The IICF UK has been around also for five years. And in that last five years, we put out just under a million pounds worth of grants, affected 5,000 lives around the world. And just last week, in fact, I was so pleased to put out another six grants. So it's very, um, very inspiring. And again, it aligns to our in industry ideals that by sharing risk and um, engaging together, we can create a more sustainable community around us. Great. And a thanks to Nick Martin from Pella Capital, who introduced us Absolutely. on the back of that. And Nick, I think was on podcast number two for the step podcast so thank you uh nick and you also do a very good dinner as well once a year <laughs> well do i really enjoyed that and learned a lot in there and we'll be as i said we'll be covering some of this separately because there's a lot of very useful content for people some of which is already out there some we'll pull together i'll let you get back to uh, your, your, your busy day but again thank you very much no thank you matthew it's great to be here with you today and to be able to celebrate the lab the, the leadership we have in the lab and our innovations ahead of us thank you so much well, I hope you enjoy that as much as I did. It's always a delight for me when I listen to these recordings afterwards and pick up even more from what I learned on the day itself. Now, we are accredited at Instec for continual professional development by the CII, that's the Chartered Insurance Institute. So if you are collecting points for your professional development, don't forget to claim your 30 minutes of learning time if that applies to you. Finally, Matthew Grant on LinkedIn or any of us, hello at instec.co if you want to find out more about corporate membership events or maybe even being on the podcast yourself. That's it. We're done.